0: Well, Father Thibodeau of St. Landry Parish was driving down to Lafayette when he got stopped for speeding. The highway patrol officer smelled alcohol on the priest's breath, and then, then he saw an empty wine bottle on the floor of the car, and he said, Father, have you been drinking? Only water, my son, only water, said Father Thibodeau. The policeman asked, he said, well, then how come I smell wine? The priest looked at the bottle and said, oh, my goodness, he's done done it again. Some of you will get that next week, but it's, it's coming. i to turn that water into wine all over again. Today is one of the most magnificent days of the year for us as believers because this weekend is so much less about him dying on a cross and so much more about him raising from the dead. The cross is magnificent. It's his sacrifice of his life. But what separates Christianity from any other religion in the world is that our founder is not dead, but alive. The supernatural work of the resurrection. And as I just was contemplating about, you know, Jesus being dead for three days, we've got a, a couple of men in our church, they work at a funeral home, and they're always, you know, moving dead bodies and things like that. And I'm always messing with them about it. I think I, I've got, a, 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 you know, some type of morbid humor. And I'm like, so have you ever had them just sit up on you, like, while you're in the back? And they're like, no, Pastor, that has never happened. And I told him, I said, be honest, how many times you dropped them? Tell, tell the truth. You dropped some off the table. Like, Pastor, we're not supposed to talk about that. I said, mm-hmm, you dropped some bodies. Tell the truth. <laughs> And I don't know if it's that part of me that's so morbid or just the fact that I'm interested in the way things work. So if Jesus was dead for three days in the tomb, the natural progression of things that would have happened would be a couple of points like this. For example, if you're on the, uh, an organ donor list, you'll know this, that a heart can only last four to six hours after death. And after that, it's decomposed or it's broken down to where you cannot get it to work in another body. They only have about a four to six hour window. Same thing with the liver. And it goes on and on with kidneys and different organs. In fact, the moment you die, what happens is your brain stops telling the organs what to do, and as a result, the bacteria inside of you begins to eat away at the different organs and the different tissue. The cells break down, and over the next couple hours and days, excuse me, uh, it begins to decompose. Your body begins to and there's a swelling or rigor mortis, mortis sets in within the first couple of hours, and that's for all you guys who watch CSI, how they're able to tell the time of death. Is how how stiff the body is becoming as the cell tissue is breaking down and hardening as the blood is actually being mingled with the other uh, 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 with the other uh, fluids inside your body and begins to coagulate I and mean, it's not moving anymore the heart's not pumping it and it's not moving from all throughout your body and as a result you begin to tear down or decompose and if Jesus was in the tomb. His body was in the tomb for three days. Friend, can I tell you something? God didn't just restart his heart and he came back to life. The Holy Spirit had to go into that physical body and make those cells go from decomposition to alive all over again. Had to take that heart that had started decomposing and starting to break down, was no longer could be started by any other way than to go back and remake that heart, remake that brain. Come on, friend, get those cells back alive again and take what was dead and decomposed and begin begin to make it have life and begin to live again when we say that jesus died friend not only did he die but he resurrected and that in itself is the greatest miracle in the history of humanity. What we're celebrating today is not that just that Jesus loves us, but that He has a supernatural, miraculous love power that blows the minds of humanity. What Jesus did as He goes down into that pit, as He goes down into the bowels of hell, He goes down there to defeat sin, death, and the grave. You got to understand that humanity: when you die, you are dead. D e a dead. It is over. Done. Fin- Finalized, complete, it's over. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm going to go down in the pits of hell and I'm going to take death and destruction by the throat and I'm going to power drive it and then I'm going to resurrect and I will prove that I am the living God. Are you with me? Say yes. So as Christians... When all the other religions claim this and claim that, here's the beauty of Christianity, the truth of the real gospel. And that is Jesus didn't just die, but he resurrected. You say, well, what about this and what about that? Well, let's go back to the original historical record. And that is when Jesus is hanging on the cross, they have beat him so severely that the muscles have been stripped from his bone. at 39 times with a whip with glass and metal in it as it hits those muscles and they shred them off of his back as he dies on that cross the thieves on either side of him have not died yet because what they would do is as they put him on the cross it was more of about the humiliation and the longevity of this long dying miserable death it was torture is what it was and so as these men would begin to die sometimes it would take 20 days depending on their strength Jesus died within those hours of being on the cross because they beat him so severely. In fact, they come around because it's the time for the Passover and they don't want anyone up on a cross during this moment. So they want to hurry up and speed up the death process. So they go and they break the legs so that they cannot push any longer to get a breath because as they come, hang down from this point, it puts pressure on their lungs and they can't breathe. Like some of us that are a little more portly, when we bend down to tie our shoes, we got to take a breath to do it, get them done and then pick back up and can breathe again, just saying, some of us, I don't know, that's, okay, me, all right, leave me alone. And so as, as, as they break the legs, they come to Jesus, and they don't need to break his legs because he's already dead. And the Bible says that the, that the soldier sticks the spear into his side, and blood and water flows. What that's proof of is that the heart has already not been beating, and as a result, the blood and the water, or the, 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 you know, the, the, the water substance in our body has now mingled, and blood and water flowed. So they just took him down. They didn't have to break his legs to kill him faster. The man is dead. Everybody say dead. Dead. Say it one more time. Say dead. dead. And as he lays in that grave, his body lays in that grave and begins to decompose, he goes down and he fights against the spirit of death and destruction. And he does that for you and me. For when he resurrects He is now the living God, seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I. It is the greatest miracle in the history of humanity. And the miracle that Jesus died, resurrected, and then pours out his love on hurting humanity. I I think that I would like to... Get some other people to help me preach this message a little bit so that you can see the truth. When the preacher says it, you say, yeah, but you get paid to say it. But I'd rather you hear from the folks, the everyday folks like you and I, who God's done miracles in their life. Because I believe if you can get an understanding of his love for you, you can begin to a- experience his miracles that he has for you. And so I thought for a moment, I'd love you to hear from from uh, Furman and Viola as they tell the story of how God healed them even here in 2017. So play that for them for just a moment.
1: I'm from Zaragoza.
2: Viola Zaragoza.
1: We've been married 31 years.
2: Well, in September of 2014, uh, my husband had a fall at home, and it was several months after he'd had back surgery, and they wanted him to get checked out to make sure that he didn't break anything in his back. So we went to the ER, and in the course of checking him out, they said, your back is fine, but we see there's a spot on your liver that you probably need to have checked out. And so it was about February of 2015, They called us to come in and said, uh, I think they had done a biopsy that showed that that was a tumor and that it was malignant. And he sent us to an oncologist. And they come back a week later and said, yes, he has fatty liver disease in his liver. So because of that condition and the fact that he's now had a history of tumors, malignant tumors, we need to send him to the liver institute to be put on a transplant list. I'm just thinking, well,
1: turn it over to his hands and say, Lord, it's all in, the, in your hands now. So and that's what we'll be doing, be praying for it.
2: So they sent us to the Liver Institute. We undergo three days of testing because he has to be uh, healthy enough to, to go through a liver transplant. And we fill out all this paperwork, and he takes all these tests, and they tell us to be prepared for a major surgery. Thank God for our small group. For small groups, and our small group is amazing, and they prayed us through the whole thing. You know, we kept them informed of what's going on and what they said, and they prayed for us and uh, through every small group meeting. So we knew we had that support, and that was a great comfort.
1: The following week, there was uh, we had the small group, small group meeting. meeting, and, uh, and there was praying for me, and one of the guys started praying in the same time. And I could hear him across the room. He came He started, the closer he got, the louder he got to so, me. As soon as he laid his hands on me, that pain just went away from me. I mean, that pain just disappeared. And on the way home, I tell him, my wife, I said, that pain's gone. I have no more pain. I said, that cancer's gone. So that was on a Thursday, and that Monday, that following Monday, we went to the movies, and a, a phone rang, and I looked, at him, and it was a doctor's, and I figured
2: it's a follow up. Confirmation. So we went to the hospital, and not knowing what was going to happen. We didn't know if they were going to open him up. We did not have any idea what to expect, but we did have peace. You no, know,
1: I just prayed, praising God and thanking him for all the blessing He's given and all that. But then all of a sudden, the peace just came over me. I just felt so much joy and so much peace in me. I just knew I was, everything was going to be fine.
2: Well, they were just telling him what was going to happen and what to expect. So he goes into surgery, and I go into the waiting room with my sister. And again, I just I didn't know what to expect, but I just felt total peace. Once they took the tube out of his, you know, the breathing tube out, he was up and alert and talking and perfectly fine. The next morning, they transferred him to a private room and he was up out of his bed, walking up and down the halls. It was, uh, it was almost surreal that he just flew through that. People just could not believe how he came through that. And then when we left the hospital, we did not owe one penny. They had to go back and biopsy the old liver That they took out to see what, what, because obviously if there'd been a lot of tumors, they said they wouldn't do the surgery. So we said, what is the condition of the old liver? And they said, well, they really couldn't find any tumors, but we're going to call it inconclusive.
1: I knew that healing, that when they prayed on me, it was healed.
0: (laughs) Oh, he still, he still works miracles. Amen. If he'll do it for them, he'll do it for you. The beauty of this whole thing is that the supernatural miracles of God are connected to the supernatural love of God. And you and I, we don't love the way God loves. We love conditionally, right? I'll love you as long as you do this. But if you don't do that, then I can't love you. God goes past that. Jesus goes past that to the place where I'll love you in spite of you. I'll love you even when you can't be faithful to love me back. I will love your unfaithfulness because I am God. Because I have miracle love flowing through me to humanity. And I want to look at that for just a little bit with me. In Mark chapter 16, there's this moment where Jesus has resurrected. And I want to point this out to you as we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus today. Jesus has gone down into the grave. He's defeated sin, death. He's defeated the demonic forces. He's basically won the Super Bowl. He's done what he came to do on planet Earth. Live amongst men, holy and righteous. Die for our sins and resurrect so that we might have life. He's done that. The moment he resurrects, I don't know if it were you or me, but wh- who when you've got had your greatest success story ever, who was the first person you contacted? If you passed the bar exam, who did you who did you text? Who did you call? If you when you finally got that college diploma, or you finally or got that high school diploma, or when you finally got, you know, got that raise or that promotion you've been working for your whole life, who did you contact first? For most of us probably would have been our spouse, those of us that are married. For the others of us might have been mom. Mom, I did it. Be- her dad, you paid for it. Here it is. I don't know. We all, but it had to be somebody that's the most important to us, right? So, I, as I'm contemplating this, in the, a couple of weeks ago when we were just praying over this service, and God, what did you want to do? It just kept bombarding us. Who did Jesus appear to first? Who was the most important that He wanted to say, "You got to see this. This is um, I did it for you. It's done. We accomplished it." And let's pick up right there in Mark chapter sixteen, verses nine. It says, and when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first. Everybody say first. First. Say it again. Say first. first. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. What the what the what? Not Mary, his mother, the immaculate conception? not mary who carried him for nine months in her tummy not mary who had sex with no man but the holy spirit empowered her to have a child not mary who wiped his little nose as he was a little snot running around not mary who was there for him every day of the, uh, every day he had a fever every day difficulty ha- not that mary no not that mary well then what about peter not his number two surely his number two right the guy that he said oh You get it, baby. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my kingdom. You get it, Peter. The guy who's going to take the church and help build the church after Jesus is gone. Not his number two. Not some guy who's been living in the temple, praying all day long. Or some intercessor woman who's been committed to God since the early days of her youth. No. He goes to who? Mary Magdalene. Of whom he had cast seven demons. Who is this woman? Why is she so important? Why would Jesus resurrect? And the first person he wants to see, I want to see Mary Mary Magdalene. That's who I'm going to show. That's who I'm going to go say, girlfriend, boom. Anytime I go do something, you know, that's big or minister somewhere and they give me a little honorarium check, I come home and I bring it to my wife. I hand it to her. And that's what you call more than a conqueror because I went and conquered, but she's more than a conqueror. And so Jesus has conquered and he wants to go and he wants to testify. He wants to say, it's done. Look at what's happened. And he goes to Mary Magdalene. Who is this woman? Let's research her just a little bit. First and foremost, in her name, Mary Magdalene means she's Mary of Magdalene. Magdala, Mary of Magdala. Now Magdala was a city around the Sea of Galilee down in the southwest corner of it. Magdala, as you read through the Talmud, you'll find out was considered the city with more than anywhere else prostitution. In fact, most scholars believe that Mary Magdalene had been in prostitution. And as we read this next passage of scripture, we'll look that Luke actually connects the woman in this passage to being... Mary Magdala. And the reason we see that is because probably as Luke is writing the book of Luke, it's somewhere around 70 AD, so just just about almost 40 years past Jesus' death. And what we see is probably Mary Magdala is still alive and she's considered a grandma in the faith. And so they're being very gracious as they tell the story. But let's pick up now in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It'll be on the screen for you. It says, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. when a woman who had lived a sinful life, everybody say sinful life. Sinful. Come on, say it again. Sinful life. Sinful. In that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. She, then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, who did he say it to? Said it to who? He's talking to himself. Is it out loud? No, he's talking to himself. You ever do that? Come on, you're doing it right now. Like, man, that pastor got a pink shirt on. He's talking to himself. And this is what he says, again, to whom? Himself. If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him. Boy, O-M-J. You have no idea who's touching you. Obviously, are not a man of God. Man. You don't know who's touching you. not What kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And the moment he finishes thinking it, saying to himself, Jesus answered him. Jesus answered him. Man, it'd be bad to have Jesus as your friend, right? I mean, like, I'm, I'm sorry, I ain't. You could hear that, couldn't you? Dang. I didn't even say that out loud. He he says, he answers him, and look how he answers him. Simon, I have something to tell you. Sure, Lord, whatever you want to tell me, teacher. He said, two men owned money, owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50, and neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one that had the bigger debt canceled. And Jesus says to him, you have judged correctly. Then he turned toward the woman. So he turns towards the woman and he says, "Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, you did not give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet, stopped kissing my feet and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loveth much." But he who has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Luke connects her in the next couple of verses in chapter 8. as probably this Mary Magdalene, Ma- Mary Magdalene. And so as we look at this interaction, Jesus tells the Simon. He said, let me tell you something, buddy. Hey, mister, I go to church all the time and know the word. I came in your house, man. You didn't even have my feet washed you got to understand, in, in Eastern culture, in, the, in biblical times especially, they walked with those open toe sandals. They didn't have any paved roads or, roads or nice manicured lawns to walk on. They're walking down dirty, nasty, muddy streets. Their fiend, their toenails got junk all over them. And not only that, but they're using animals to pull all the carts. So they're trying to step around. That's all right, you're tracking with me, some foreign people in the house. And so they got this on. And so it was customary when you were invited into someone's home, it says that Simon invited Jesus, when you're invited into their home, that they provide a bowl to wash your feet to get all the grime and nastiness off of it. And then at the same time, because you've been out in that kind, of, that kind of heat and that kind of, you know, climate, they would take some oil, some perfume. Because, you know, when you've been funky and you ain't had time to take a shower, what you do, and so they put a little bit of that good smelling stuff on you, make your feet smell good because we're about to sit down for dinner. And then the the, the biggest piece was, if you're a friend, if you're someone I respect, the moment you walk in my house, I kiss you on the cheek. And Jesus looks at him, he says, man, the moment I walked in here, you didn't wash my feet. Zero respect for me. But the moment she walked in the room, she fell down on her face and washed my feet with her tears and dried it with her hair. You didn't put any oil or any kind of good smelling stuff on me. But the moment she came in here, she started pouring oil all over me, perfume all over me. And she's never stopped kissing my feet this whole time. And he makes this statement, for who's been forgiven much, loveth much. And in this moment, this woman of ill repute, this woman of not so, you know, high-ranking status in Christianity, if you will. In this moment, Jesus looks at her and says, supernaturally, your sins are forgiven. I love you. You are forgiven. This woman then becomes a disciple of Jesus. And as we study down through Scripture, she follows me. She's there at the cross. And the moment that Jesus is going to resurrect, the moment that he's going to bring the trophy home, bring the trophy home to mama, the moment he's coming, he doesn't want to see Mary. He doesn't want to see Peter first. He wants to see Mary Magdalene first. What he is saying is twofold. He's saying, let me tell you something. Everything I did was for you. For people like you. People who don't have it all together. Come on somebody. People who don't understand it all. People who've been broken and misused and abused in life. My love is so supernatural that it goes beyond the limitations of religion. Come on now. It goes beyond what the expectation of all the holy people are, I can push through all that mess and go right down into your drug-infested life, go right down into your adulterous way of thinking, go right down into your hardness and the junk that you, way you raised. and I can love you right there. In fact, that's why I did this. I'm resurrecting for you, not for everybody else. I want you to know first and foremost that my love goes past your pain, goes past your sinfulness. My love is so supernatural that it can go right down to the heart. And those of you that receive that love, oh, let me tell you something. Those who've been forgiven much, they loveth much. But you, Mr. Simon, grown up in the church your whole life. Studied the Bible all day long. And you got zero respect for me, zero love for me. One passage of Scripture, Jesus told the Pharisees, the teachers of the Bible... He said, the prostitutes and the tax collectors are getting into heaven before you because you and your hardness of heart will not receive the love that the Father is trying to pour out through me. And I think I could teach on this point for the next 10 minutes, but I don't think I could do nearly as well as the Brooks family. What God brought them through and the love that he poured out in them and the way he ministered to them and healed their physical body along with healing their heart with love. I think they could do a better job for the next couple minutes teaching you about this. So let's play the Brooks as they tell us what God did.
3: Hello, my name is Bernard Brooks. And I'm Sonia Brooks. We came to Church on the Hill maybe about six or seven months ago. I had my husband come to visit. And uh, when he came, we just decided that this is where we wanted to be. And then we were introduced to a small group. We had never been a part of a small group before. During this season of our lives, um, I'm gonna say we witnessed love as well as the healing of my husband. And I'll say love is because I um, was a person that never knew love. And so I, uh, when my my husband and I met, it was like he was trying to pour love on me and I was not familiar with love. And I think also during my my husband going through his illness and it really drew me closer to my husband because I felt like I was going to lose him from his surgery and uh, he was so sick and i would go to the house just praying god please don't let my husband die and i think it drew it gave me a stronger love for my husband and we encountered uh when my husband had surgery um and we were part of the thomas small group and i had never experienced the love that was shown to me from the small group um, i was in the waiting room my husband had a four-hour long surgery and i was receiving these texts and back and forth of concern for my husband and me being a person to from a place of uh, uh, never experiencing love from a childhood you don't understand when someone is showing you love so i was in the waiting room just crying because i'm these people are showing me love they're showing concern for my husband you know uh, i'm not even though i was there alone i didn't feel like i was alone you know because i had people that were concerned how's your husband doing and during this certain not only that they came to the hospital we were they came, they brought us food at our home. We were receive uh, encouragement. Uh, uh, just uh, people offered to help us with our grandson, uh, to take him back and forth to school, to come and, and pick him up just to give us a break. We would even offered to, people offered to take my husband. And during that time of him being sick, it was like on that third, it was the third day he had been going through high fever. A bad abscess on his bottom and he had a hole in his stomach that was like and on that third day I came home from taking my grandson to school and my husband everything was just burst and just running out of him and I said look at God he's just pushing all of that out of you he's better than an antibiotic God mm-hmm. just takes everything out of our lives he, he you know he just you know everything was just flowing from my husband and he started feeling better. He got up out of the bed, the fever broke, he was able to get around. Our testimony is that God is a healer. He healed my husband and also God, you know, filled me with, you know, that something that I never had before was love. But, you know, and really again, back to his church on the hill, this experiencing of the love that from people, you know, God will, even if you did what you don't receive, you know, in your young life, God will give it to you. He'll pour his love into you, so. From
1: the pain I've experienced right now, I can tell you, I feel like I've been
3: resurrected. And, you know, love is not just in words, it's in action. Yes. And we've seen love and action from the Thomas Small group. And I, and I tell you that this with all sincerity, that Jesus revealed himself in my life, that I am a healer and I will pour my love into you. Amen. And, 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 and you'll, you know, you feel it. You know, we felt that God really loves us. Yes.
0: I told you that I told you they could tell it better than I could. I love what they said. Listen, I didn't even know how to receive love. Didn't know how to receive love. And the church started loving me, and I was able to receive the love of Christ. And in that love, supernatural things happened. I want you to understand something today. Christianity is not about do's and don'ts or goods and bads. It's about the love of God permeating our heart to where it transforms what we like, what we don't like, what we care about, what we spend our life energy chasing after. As today, as we start wrapping up this message, I want you to take away two things. You can write these down. Two takeaways I want, from, I want you to have from this message. Number one, God's love is miraculous. It's miraculous. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I can remember being a young man and went to a new school, and these guys, you know, started messing with me. And uh, <laughs> I hadn't become a Christian yet, and I can remember them. I was standing out in PE and was playing kickball. and One of them threw a rock and hit me in the back of the head and took off running. And I chased them into the classroom. Teachers in the middle of teaching. They were obviously had a hall pass to go to the bathroom. I come th- running in there. These guys are much bigger than me. Flying with my little body across the desk, just swinging. Pow, pow, pow. Teacher grabs me, throws me out, sends me to the office. I was out of my mind. I am just out of my mind with anger and frustration. And that was the the spirit by which I walked in. If you did something to me, I was going to get you back times 10 so you'd never do it again. That was my concept. And then when God's love came inside, when I became a Christian, I accepted and received that love. It miraculously changed me to the place now that, yeah, I don't like people to take advantage of me. But it doesn't invoke this rage anymore. Uh, Something has changed inside of me because his love is miraculous. It doesn't make sense. When you and I receive his love, what happens is now all of a sudden, when we really hold take a hold of his love, what happens is those drugs don't mean as much anymore. They're just not as valuable. That 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 cheating around and messing around, catting around, it just is not, it's not enjoyable anymore. It his love so permeates us that it's miraculous. It does what nothing else can do, it heals, it cleans. Come on, somebody, it transforms the love of God to raise his son from the dead and to take what was pure. Putrid, what was decaying and bring it back to life and raise him from the dead. He proved his love by raising from the dead. Oh, one part of his love, yes, dying on the cross, but to raise from the dead, to say, listen, I will die for your sins. I'll pay your penalty, but I'll also miraculously raise from the dead so that you always have a life source. Come on, somebody. Alive forevermore. Here's the second takeaway I want you to have, and that is receiving his love will generate miracles in your life. His love is miraculous. It is. It's supernatural. But until you and I receive it, we don't really see the miraculous in our life. And I met so many people who go to church who try to be good people, but they've never taken hold to that love. You say, well, how do I go about receiving it? Oh, I think it looks a little bit like this woman, Mary Magdalene where you throw yourself at his feet and you admit, I'm a sinner, I'm wicked, I'm broken, I need your help, oh God. God, I can't fix this in and of myself. And in that place of tears, in that place of surrender, in that place of brokenness, Jesus says, look, who's been forgiven much, loveth much. My love can pour out on this and miraculously change them. If you'll receive it, I'll fix everything that's bothering you, everything that's destroying you, everything that's brought decay to your life. My love can go past it all. And fix it all. This is the God we serve. This is really the base of Christianity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to be good. We could never be good enough. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Oh, and he brought life to us. And he loved us just as we were. That's supernatural. And that supernatural love, when you receive it, And accept it and let it pour over you and you stop trying to be good. Simon kept trying to be good and he only found himself falling short. Mary Magdalene, she couldn't be good. She couldn't stop her ways. So she falls at his feet, receives his love. And when he resurrects the trophy of having conquered sin, death, in the grave, who's the first person he wants to show it to? Who's the first person he wants to talk to? He wants to talk to her. Not the spiritually elite Not the one who carried him nine months in her womb. He wanted to talk to Mary Magdalene because this is why I died. This is why I resurrected. That you might have life and life more abundantly. I want you to stand with me all across the room today as we close. When you and I believe in and accept his love, miracles will abound. They will abound. Why did the Brooks uh, receive supernatural miracles? Because they've received his supernatural love embraced it, accepted it. I want you to bow your heads with me all across the room. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. Are you deplete of his supernatural love? Do you feel as though the love of God is abounding inside of you? Do you look at others with hatred and frustration? Or does the love of God pour out of you? See, it's hard to give what you haven't received. It's hard to walk in what you've never received. Embraced. It's hard to give away what you've never received. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, do you lack the love of God? Would he have come back from the dead and ran straight to you? I'm not so sure I would have been on the top of the list. If you lost hope along the way, it's hard to trust the Lord, it's hard to trust Christianity, it's hard to trust the Bible. Friend, would you open your heart up and receive love again? All across the room, whatever you've been through, I want you to receive the love of God right now. You say, what do I do? You just say, Lord, let your love come into me. Would you ask that right there under your breath? Lord, let your love abound in me. Have you become agitated with your spouse, angry at your boss, coworkers? Let the love of God pour over you today. We're celebrating his resurrection. It's miraculous. It so was how is it going to happen? It's supernatural. The word says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, give me love in my heart. I want to love the way you loved. I want to accept the supernatural love of God. And as you do that, do you lack miracles in your life? Is there something that's daunting, that's overwhelming? Is there a situation that just seems to all but destroy you, you can't stop thinking about it. Oh, listen, if Mr. Furman could stand up here, he'd tell you the love of God will bring forth miracles in your life. If Mr. Brooks could stand here and explain to you what God did to heal his body just weeks ago while he was sitting on that couch making that video for you just, just days ago, he had just received that miracle healing. It was unbelievable. Today, if you need a miracle, you need to ask for it right where you're at. See some of your your doctrine, your theology is you can only receive from God if you do something good for God. See that's not His love. His love goes beyond a trade out. I tell my children all the time, do you know why I love you? And they always say the same thing because I've taught them. Because we're yours. That's right. God loves you because you're His, not because you're good, bad, or ugly. He loves you because you're His. Because you've embraced his love. Become a son or daughter of the Most High. Father, I pray for miracles in these men and women's lives right now. Lord, for the wayward son to come home. For the financial difficulty that just is causing such havoc in the family. Lord, I pray for a miracle this week. Supernaturally. Lord, let the love of God abound in them so deeply. that, Lord God, that you'd heal that marriage. Lord, fix that that sickness, Lord God, that's just so frustrating, heal that pain, oh God, take it away and let supernatural love abound let miracles happen in this place now with every head bowed and every eye closed if you've been away from God you say, Pastor, I've got to be honest, I'm not a Christian man, I came here today and, you know, my family wanted me to, I've got to be honest with you, I'm not not serving God if I died today, I don't think I'd go to heaven man, I've been right where you're at I can remember, I can remember sitting there on that, in that seat when that man said, you need to make Jesus your Lord. And I remember the fear, the flood of emotions, the frustration, knowing that I wasn't good enough, knowing that I was going to die and go to hell. That, that haunted me. And as I made that decision for Christ, the joy that entered my life. Friend, if you're away from God, he's not mad at you, he loves you. It's a miracle that you're here today. It's supernatural. I'd love to see you come to know Christ as your Savior. You say, well, how do I do that? The Bible's real clear. It says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In other words, what he's saying is just pray out to me. Call out to me. I'll forgive you. I'll make you mine. You know, if you haven't done that, I'd like to lead you in that kind of prayer today. In fact, if you're away from God, I think it's time. It's time to come home. I wouldn't leave this place wondering if I was going to go to heaven. I'd leave this place knowing that I had asked Jesus into my life, knowing that he would respond. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not a Christian, I'd like to pray with you. I don't want to call you forward. I don't want to point you out. This is a very deep and private decision. I know it's in the middle of a bunch of people, but there's safety here. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to pray with you. If you're not a Christian, I'd like to help lead you back to the Lord in a simple prayer of dedication of your life. Again, I don't want to call you forward. I don't want anybody to even know it's you. But I'd want me and you to make that decision together for Jesus. So, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, "Pastor, I'm away from God. I want to come home." Or, "I've never been a Christian. I want to become one today." Would you let me pray with you? Would you acknowledge that by just lifting your hand, saying, "Pastor, that's me. Pray with me." And I, I wanna, I wanna pray with you. I wanna see God do something supernatural. God bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? Pray? Thank you so much. I see you put it back down. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. I'm ready to see receive God. Thank you, sweet love. Anybody else? You can put it back down. Been a number of hands. I don't want to miss you. No one's looking around. It's just me, you, and Jesus. Thank you. I see your hands. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. I want to lead you in a prayer, just a prayer of repentance. God's not mad at you. But, friend, when you and I humble ourselves like that lady did, when we do that, he responds with all, all power. So across this room, would you pray out with those who lifted their hands? Say the prayer like this. Say, Jesus, today, I admit I'm a sinner. I recognize I need you and I ask you now to forgive me of my sins, wash me clean. Here and now, I receive your grace. I receive your love. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life and I declare in front of everybody, in front of heaven, Jesus is my Lord. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who prayed that prayer with all sincerity. For those who lifted their hands. Acknowledged that they had need of you. Those who couldn't get their hand up but prayed and cried out to you. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name they would feel your peace. That they would know that the love of God now has permeated them. Like a a giant warm blanket on a freezing cold day. Just wrap them in that love, Lord. May they know that they know that they're yours. And Lord, as today comes to a draw and they're laying in their bed, the thoughts in their mind that they didn't mean it, that they are still going to go back and do their old stuff. Lord God, as those thoughts begin to try to take away what happened today, that your spirit would speak to them and say, no, 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 you're mine and I'm yours. We're together forever and I'll help you through every trial and difficulty and every bad habit. Lord, let that be what they hear tonight. We call it as so in Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted, amen.